So uh, good morning to that, reality and hope. Good morning to the Holy Spirit just kind of coming in among us and leaving us kind of a bit breathless and hope-filled and saying, God, all, all we really want to do is we um, engage for the fourth week in a series called Presence, um, Truths from Experiencing God, really... Um, Father, what we're longing for is your presence and to be able to step in the room and to have um, the only thing left is the cry for the holiness of God and the presence and the reality and the power of God. I um, don't believe that every one of us were in small group this morning, but this is the very topic that we talked about in our Bible study group. So I got a chance to teach in my group this morning, and so I um, just brought my book with me to, to this moment just to kind of wonder if, if, if we're longing for some similar things together um, to be able to say, God, we are hungry for your presence. Um, we studied Solomon's building of the temple and an Old Testament reality of a New Testament truth that Solomon had this um, beautiful idea and reality from God to build a temple that was a symbol of the manifest presence of God. And then I love the New Testament tie-in to that, that God in so doing was saying, um, I'm going to build something far more beautiful than this temple. I'm going to build a group of people who are the makeup of the temple of the living God called the Church of Jesus Christ. And I am going to pour out my power, my spirit, and my presence among them in such an incredible, extraordinary manner that the only thing left in response to what is happening in that is all I can do is fall down on my knees and cry, holy. And so we're, we're praying for that. As, as Solomon um, said strategically, prayerfully, in, in every other way from our gathering of goods to our preparation for this, we're going to make way for the presence of God. I, I believe that's a similar role for us as a church, is, is that we've come together here to say, um, I know that we've got a guy on stage who's talking right now, another guy who's saying we've got some videos and stuff going. Um, that's, that's really, none of us are the point, as Ryan has already read, the point is this, that we make space as a body of believers for Jesus to be himself and to manifest his life, presence, and hope among us. And when we are making space for that, I don't know that you would say, okay, this is the rubric that's going to happen, but I kind of like this. This happened in the um, building of the temple. I would imagine that they had this extraordinary work and they thought that they were going to jubilantly walk in and celebrate the hard and diligent work of their hand that had cried out for God to come and dwell among them and to display his majesty. And God, as he does so well, according to Ephesians 3.20, did immeasurably more than they could have asked or imagined because here's just the kind of the outworking found in 1 Kings. All this, by the way, is free. It's not in my notes. It's, um, and when the priest came out to the holy place, and when the people started to gather there, I, I really love this picture. A cloud filled the house of the Lord. So the priest, those of us um, who are called by God to just 
kind of say, there's God, there's God, there's God. He's beautiful, he's glorious. The priests could not stand to minister because they realized we really don't have a role. He's here, he's present, he's powerful. We're just going to stand back and look at this majestic one. They could do nothing because the cloud, the glory of the living God filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in thick darkness. I have indeed built for you an exalted house. I pray that you would come and dwell here. But Lord, you have come and you have blessed this assembly of Israel. And I was, I was sitting in our class and I read a sentence. I said, this validated for Solomon what God had called them to do. And I'll just be really honest. I'm praying for that validation here among us. That we are a people who are coming together with hearts and lives, mind and strength, leaning in and saying, Holy God, our lives are the temple of the living God, individually and corporately. And we have come together anticipating the presence and the reality of God. And I would love it if you would show up here at this gathering next Sunday thinking, we may not get in. Because we're so moved toward the reality of the glory of the living God that we may stand on the edges of this building because God in his glory and wonder is going to manifest himself in supernatural ways. Our pastor, he may have something to say, but our God through him will do so much more. That choir, they may sing a decent song, but our God, when he infuses it, his glory will come in a robust robust manner. That electric guitar guy. Some of you go, I love him and I wish he'd play louder. Some of you wish he wouldn't play at all. All of you should wish this. When he starts to play, I believe that heaven is going to join with him and it's going to be glorious in here. I don't say this as if God hasn't already done this. We've seen it. We see it in the Old Testament in the chapter in the book of Kings, but we see it in the second chapter of the book of Acts at the inauguration of the church as 120 followers of Jesus cried out for God to do something more than they could imagine and his presence fell among them in spirit and in power. And apparently when that happens, God, who is always saving souls, saves souls. And on that day, 3,000 came to know the Lord. But apparently every day forthcoming in the church that was after Jesus, people day after day after day fell in love with Jesus and had their lives completely rescued and right-sized by his glory. Is that our anticipation as we gather as a church that we're kind of coming and going, holy God, I am not positive what's going to happen here. And believe me, I'm not asking the Lord to come and dwell because we gather on Sunday morning. I am asking him to show, wreck our lives for his glory on a moment by moment by basis that when we gather on Sunday, we are a group of people who are utterly and completely molded and tuned and impassioned for the name of Christ. He, he, he is, his presence will do nothing but validate the, the pursuit and passion of our hearts of people who already know that we belong to God. I enjoyed um, the sentence as I ended. It is both from Genesis 45 and Genesis 50 where it says of Joseph who was longing for the presence and he got this. Please don't hear me preaching about some weird thing out there that, you know, our pastor's about to get weird. I, I will get weird if God does. 
But what I love about this story is Joseph just simply said, God, your glory is bigger than any circumstance that abounds for me. And so therefore, whether I'm imprisoned, whether I am battling an issue this week, whether I'm walking by faith because I can't see what's happening, here's what I know. You're with me. And you will not fail. And I love when you got to Genesis 50, verse 20, I believe. Um, look it up and correct me. I may be off a few verses, but I believe it was Genesis 50, 20, where he said, Look, I know you as my brothers fully intended to harm me, but what you intended for harm, God fully intended for his presence to be made manifest among his people, and he turned it for good so that all we could do at the end of this day is fall on our knees and cry glory. I've been through a multi-year journey of faithfulness to stand in this moment and to say our God is and was saving souls, and regardless of what was happening around me, he just longed for me to simply stand in and say, your presence is what I long for. And so, yes, I would love, I would love, I'll just be really frank and honest, I would love to show up here and or to be in worship and and really like this, this room just opened up and the Shekinah glory of God fell among us. That would be awesome. But I would also love to walk with a group of people regardless the circumstance who day in and day out manifest the presence of God in the midst of the greatest hardships, in the midst of the deepest pits, in the midst of the greatest highs, who say this, our God is saving souls right now. He's saving lives right now. And I want my life to be bent toward those things so that I might be a useful person. I might be useful in his hands for the sake of his glory. And if the Shekinah part comes, glory to God. But I really long also to see him use me to to help a bumper crop over a seven-year period help people in a failed crop over seven more years so they don't starve to death. To step into the lives of my brothers who are walking with extraordinary sin that has throttled their lives Their sin, while not solely was against me, Joseph would say, their sin was fully also against me. And I look at my brothers, my biological brothers, but I look out at this room at my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I have such freedom to say, I forgive you, because what you intended for poor, what you intended to harm, God knew. What an incredible thing that happens among the body when we trust the sovereign hand of our God and we walk in the fullness of the Spirit for us to just walk together just saying we are growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. We are worshiping with abandon. We are amazed by our God and we long for more of his presence. That's all that's left here. As I study this week, I just... I just, I wrote this sentence, God is saving lives today, and I really want to be in the midst of it. The scripture is the record of God's activity in this world. And the scripture just tells us over and over of the faithfulness of God and what it means to walk in his spirit. In Galatians 5, it should be coming on the screen. You're also welcome to open your scripture. But in Galatians 5, 16, it says in verse 25, I say to you, walk by the spirit. And you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If you've kind of been around church lingo for a while, you know this kind of, this is a conversation we have. I really want to live in the midst of the will or the purpose or the plan or the walk of the Spirit of God. I want to understand Him. 
I want that to be familiar to me. And I know that we use that language or that lingo, if you will. But how does it affect our lives in a very practical and tangible way as we sit in this room and say, God, we want your spirit. Like I read, I read literally. I sat with my group and it was um, Mitch and Active Will. Mitch is in group with me. I um, survived today without weeping because I long for moments where you just know, like, God, you're validating this. Like, what would it be like to be a part of the 120 um, who were in the midst of God and he just fell at Pentecost? You know, I mean, I, I was reading of this powerful moment as they dedicated the temple and I thought, Lord, I long for those big moments. And I think God was consistently saying to me, and I long for you to validate me, Mark, in the day in and day out moments. Validate the reality of my presence as you, as you completely refuse to gratify the fleshly desires of your heart as you put aside the pursuits of this world and you continuously lift your eyes to things that matter to my heart. I think that's what God was looking at me and saying, Mark, I'm saving lives today. I think a lot of what I would long for if I lean too deeply into that lesson because I do become a bit impassioned for those of you that haven't met me before. I do become a bit of passion about the things of God. And I think for me, I could sit and pray for some moment down the road and miss the opportunity for sacrificial and faithful living on a daily basis as I walk in the midst of the will of God. I could miss the moment of hearing God's voice as he clearly spoke to me and to some friends this week to just walk in the life of a friend of ours. And I would think that that was any less than some Shekinah glory of God falling in this room. I would miss the reality of a conversation this week of a friend who said, I was rescued out of my own small sinful story and I was placed in the kingdom of Jesus Christ and it was an incredible placement and I'm in love with Jesus now and I would, I would mistake that moment for being something less powerful than the falling of God on the temple of God. And I really want to say to the Lord, I want to live sacrificially and faithfully today because here's what I know about you. You're saving lives today. You're in the midst of that, and I want to be about that story. And I think that we can't fail to understand that. The spirit who raised Christ from the dead is not a spirit who is saying, and by the way, I want to come and give you a little boost today. He is a spirit of God who is saying the same power the resurrected Christ from the dead is the power that is alive in you. The book of Ephesians says that of us, that you should come and understand this, that the dunamis power, the resurrected Jesus, is the power of discipleship and following him and beginning to understand who he is. Coming on the screen is these words, Christ died and he rose again so that we might forget everything else and live in loving freedom with him. And follow him to the cross and into the trueness of life that he has for us. That's the power of what Jesus is about. And maybe that didn't make it to the screen, so I should just read it again. It did not. Christ died and he rose again so that we might forget everything else and live in loving freedom with him. And in doing that, in doing so, just meet him in his cross. And that we would, in meeting the cross, come into the midst of true life. When I hear stories like George Mueller are in our Bible study today, I care and was saying, I was reading about the miracles of God to my grandchildren, and I'm like, oh God, 
Let me do that with my kids and with my kids' kids one day. God, I want to read the miracle stories. I hear the encounters like George Mueller as I closed the service last week where the guy took in, just saw this need, was walking in the faithfulness of God, met God in the cross, died to self, came alive to true life, and said, can I just live out two things on this earth? One, what it means to care wholeheartedly for the orphan, and two, what it means to completely and utterly be dependent upon God. And in doing so, if you weren't here last week, he basically said, I'm going to launch a ministry. I will never ask for anything. That does not have to be a rule in how you lead ministry. It's what God spoke to him. I will never ask for a need. And leading in that manner, at the end of his life, he ministered over 10,000 orphans, built over five huge orphanages in the European continent. Um, took in over $8 million and died with less than $800 in his pocket, and I'm sure that 800 was prepared to be dispersed. I hear that and go, okay, God, I really want in on this. I want to hear stories like that, and I want to know that you're speaking. And as we talk about the presence of God and longing for that, we have, we have been on three subjects so far. God is always working around you. Always. He's moving. You will understand that work because you're in a love relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And he'll invite you in, not into your great and glorious plan, but he'll invite you in to join him at work. And this week, I'm, um, this is part one of two parts, and part one is just one thought today, and I've already been on it for a while. But that God is speaking right now. And I don't know that all of us fully understand that, but God is consistently speaking, as Blackie would, Blackaby would say, God speaks through the Bible prayer circumstances in the church, and he is drawing us to himself to maybe bring some scripture to that. In um, John, the eighth chapter, the 47th verse, it says this, that he who belongs to God, here's what God says. It's a bit of a frightening verse for me, because I don't know that I fully and consistently hear from God. And it says, yet, says this in scripture, those who are his sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. They know him, and they're sensitive and attuned to that. And so I, I, I just long for that. And, and this note is a note from Blackaby that I think should continue to rock us and continue to call us to... Um, I think it should continue to call us to longing for more of God. If a Christian does not know when God is speaking, he's in trouble at the very heart of his Christian life. It says in John eight forty seven. That he who belongs to God, hears what God says. If we're, not, if we're not cognizant, if we're not hearing his voice, we are in trouble at the very core of who we are. So what do we do about that? And I would like to just talk for the next two weeks about that, about God speaking to us through his scripture, through his people, through this church, through the circumstances that surround us, and what that means to us. How God is... How God is He's, he's speaking right now in this room. And he longs to, us, to have us to hear him so that we can just tune to him, attune our lives to him, adjust our lives, which we'll get to in a week or two, and to say, God, we're going to move with you. And it's so beautiful, frightening, faith-evoking for me to understand God is speaking. And um, to quote an Old Testament scripture from Samuel, and I don't want a single word that he is speaking to fall to the ground. I, I want to catch everything that you're about, Lord, to you. And that's, that's my heart. I, I was 
preparing for this, and on Thursday of this week, I just was praying over this message and what to say, and I had so much on my heart, and I knew it was going to be too much. Believe it or not, that thought strikes me once in a while. Some of you are going, I mean, you you should let it strike you more often. But um, I was just thinking, God, there's so many things that I believe through your scripture that I want to share about your your speaking, and I just, I I began to recall um, the first message I spoke to this body of believers, Mandarin, and it was when I came here in view of a call, and I realized as I was praying about this that I think, God, you're speaking right now, that I'm just kind of supposed to share that encounter, like what what it looked like for God to speak and lead, and what that meant for him and what it meant for me and how it's meant for our family. Um, I shared this almost four years ago now in August or September. I don't really know our anniversary, but sometime in the next month, we'll have been on venture together for four years. And what an incredible adventure it's been to see God's handiwork and to be a part of what he's doing. And as I I came, I just kind of shared some things with you guys, and I'm not rewriting this down. I, I pulled this from four years ago's notes. And so can I just share some thoughts with you that I shared four years ago, because I think they're, they're even more true for me than they were then, because I, I fully believe this. And standing before you, and I said, here's what, here's what you're not seeking on this day as you potentially vote for me or against me, because you're really not doing that. You don't need a new pastor. And you don't need, um, although I did say a pastor's good, and I vote that you vote for that today. That's in my notes. But I'm not what you need. You're not pursuing a new leader. You don't need a preferred style of worship. Straight from my notes. You don't need a preferred wardrobe. You don't need a preferred level of comfort. We don't need more stuff, more programs, more things. We don't need a new direction. What we truly and desperately need is more of Jesus. We need to be a people who are saying, God, teach us in a world, as as Francis Chan has said, that is satisfied with enough God. What we need is a people who cry out, we want more God. We're not satisfied with enough. What is desperately needed is a group who said, God, we are going to pursue you until we find ourselves immersed in your grace. You've spoken to our lives. We truly need you to transform us. And then I just read I'm, I, this, and I said these words. I don't plan to preach these verses. I just plan for us to live these verses for the rest of our days, as long as God allows me to be here. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, as we look at his hands, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. And here's the beautiful part that I believe answers directly the question of how do we hear you speak? And then as you renew your mind and saturate your heart and mind in the word of God, among the people of God, for the glory of God, through the cross of Christ, in the midst of circumstances, God will do this. He will lead you into his good and pleasing and perfect will. That's where he's taking us. And I actually quoted our mission statement that was nuanced in that moment. So God has called us together to love people to transformational life in Christ as we go.
That's what he's asking from us, to renew our minds, to think more fully about him, to fall deeply in love with him. And then I began to just share, this was an agonizing decision for our family. Wow. That's a four-year flashback. Moving to be junior in high school, moving five kids and saying, we're bringing you and uprooting you and we're carrying you by faith. It was so weighty and we did not have simple answers. In fact, I think I said these words far more confident then than I do now. And secondly, my voice is going, so um, you, don't, you pray, because I think what I have to say is important. So maybe you could pray that my voice would shut down soon, if that's where you are, or that it would carry on just long enough. That's where I'm at. And, and I'm, I just started saying to God, God, you know, how do we understand your will? Because I think Susan and I were already fully bent before we ever married that we wanted to live lives that were given to the gospel. So I got down to this real, real rea- this reality of how we, we, we're for the first time living with family. We're in Birmingham, Alabama, roll tide, and bless the Lord. I think those two go together, you know? And, I mean, we're, we're home. We're living everything. God, how do we discern your will? Our neighbors who were pastors at a fellow church in town came up to us after we shared the news with our church back in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and they they came up to us and they said, we have watched you guys for months. You have walked miles. And they said, you weren't just walking, you have walked and prayed this out. We knew something big was going, and it it really was. We were sitting in going, God, how do we know your how do we know your plan? We want to do your voice. We want to know what you're about. We want to know, because we believe you do speak to your children. You seem to be doing pretty good stuff where we are, and you seem to be pulling our hearts toward Mandarin, Florida. What in the world are you doing, and how do we discern your voice? How do we hear you? And I, I kind of ran through all of the things I know, so I'm going to immerse in Scripture so, you know, Susan and I don't do this very well because I tend to study books of the Bible. So do we open up a chapter, God, and just, you're going to say it, move to Mandarin. Mandarin. You know, I mean, it could have been really bad. I don't know. It could have been really great. Whichever way you lean toward this, I could have opened up to the book of Ezekiel and it said, go ye therefore to Bama. It's in the scripture. Unfortunately, it's not a good place in the scripture. It's a place of veil worship. So, God, you're not clear. And then I began to just pray this I know in the 10th chapter of the book of John, I know in the 8th chapter of the book of John, that God, you shepherd us. We hear your voice. And, and God just drew me to a story, to an account. And I just, I'm, I'm going to wrap up here and just give you a thought. And, and it's a truth that you should know from me over the last years. But in Acts, the 16th chapter, there's such a powerful moment. I love it for a lot of reasons. Ryan, you're so kind. I don't know what's wrong right now. Um, See, I didn't hear what he said. He's like, dude, I just want you to keep preaching. Can we get an amen on that? I'm going to drink water. We're staying here all day. This is like old school revival right now. And so um, I really am, I'm moving down the slope now. But in Acts 6, 6 through 10, there's such an encounter. I was, we were resting and saying, God, you're, I mean, you're at work and you're saving lives. And we're literally watching 300 people baptized in the last three years in T-Town. And I mean, it wasn't, oh, it's a bad situation. And yet, God, you're drawing us down here. How do we discern this? How do we figure this out? And then I read at 16, verses 6 through through 10, it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. And listen to this. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, when they came to the border of Mysia, 
They tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him and said, come over to Macedonia and help us. And I'm sitting here going, okay, I've latched on to something that's going to speak. Because Paul was sitting with the Lord, and apparently he couldn't get into Bithynia, but he wanted to. He couldn't go over to Mysia, but he wanted to because the Holy Spirit like stopped him. And I finished, and I was still utterly confused. Like, God, I see this. And I, I was just asking God, like, so, so where is the Macedonian? You know, how do I hear your voice? And I, by no means do I believe this is the sole way to hear his voice. And, and again, I believe that you're going to hear things that are so rooted in my heart that you have heard them before. And perhaps the Holy Spirit will allow you to hear it in a completely different way. Because here's what God said to me as we wrestled and prayed and walked for miles and miles and prayed more. Is that I, I know this. God, I know you speak. I know you're clear. I know I've got to look into the eyes of my children. I want to answer them that I know it's your voice. Help me, Lord. And I, I love God because here's, here's what he said to me. Not... There's a Macedonian over here or over here. He said, here's what I'm asking you, Mark. What do you know? And I went home and just sat with Susan. And I said, I'm going I'm to just talk to God about this for a few days. And I'm not going to share with you everything that I wrote down. But for several days, I just started to write down, this, this is all that I know, Lord. I know that I have been given eternal life in Jesus Christ. And I know what you say about that, that the wages of sin are death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I know this, God, because of that rescue, I'm yours. I'm yours, whatever. I'm yours. And I begin to wrestle, and then I just wrote some things I know. And again, I'll give you the, the, not even the Reader's Digest, the super short crib notes. I know I'm secure in Jesus, and so he'll speak to me. I know that I am in Christ. I know that he is in me. I know that I am free. I know that I am justified. I know that I am sanctified and made holy, forever made righteous before the Lord. I know that I am immersed in his grace. I know that I am crowned in his favor. I know that in Christ there is no condemnation for me, so I can't go wrong. I can't mess this up. The Lord longs to get me where he wants me to go more than I want to get to the right place. And so I know that in Jesus he will guide and direct steps. I know that, and I can't read this anymore, I know that I am in an epic story of God grafted in by the grace of God It is in the grace of God that I stand, not then, but now, and in every other moment as a child of his. I stand in his grace, and I stand and live for his glory. I know these things to be true, because the word of God has spoken these things over every one of us who claim the name of Jesus, who have been rescued from the wages of sin, and who have been placed into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. This is who you are. This is what we're about. And I stand in his grace. And here's what I know. His grace is sufficient and his grace will purpose our steps. And just to be completely honest with you about this particular story, we had a completely different answer standing in the room, in the missions room, until someone walked around a corner. And my wife completely jacked this up because she hears God's voice better than I do. And she kind of just said this. She's going, stop, stop. And we're just standing around that corner, and she just said, I believe this is where God is. And I said, I do too. This is hard. And that at that moment, someone cut a corner, and they said, we just had an insane 
unanimous vote. And I did my best, church, by the way, to wreck that during Bible study. We just had this, this vote, and we looked at each other and just wept and said, God, the Macedonian is here. I still, four years later, I'm still beautifully watching God's hand as he moves and breathes in this place. But he just said, I, I just want you to hear my voice in this moment. And then we just came back to all these things we know and just said, God, ultimately we don't know where to land, but you'll, you'll place us in the right place. And I think there's a peace and contentment and confidence and purpose as I go, not just solely about the big decisions, but when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to wake up saying, holy God, you're going to allow me to encounter people. What do I know? And I have on the screen right now those questions for you. So who do you know? And what do you know? What do you know to be true of yourself? And this isn't solely um, the pastor's notes. Are you so deeply grounded in Scripture so that as we read Galatians 6 earlier in this service, you would never gratify the desires of the flesh because they're there, but you're going to wake up and walk in the fullness of the Spirit of God, walking in who you know that you are. And Paul dealt with this in Romans, the seventh chapter. He said these words, Often when I am failing to walk in the fullness of the presence of God and I'm in the midst of sin, here's what he said, It is not who I am and it is not where I'm to be. And I am to come before the Holy God and to confess that and to rightfully walk in the midst of who I am in Christ because this is what I know about myself and everything I just read, Paul wrote. He said, I know this is who I am. And I know that there are some of us in this room who your life in no way, shape, or form represents who you are. And here's what Paul would say to you. You are not living who you are. And a walk of diligent pursuit of the presence of God would compel you right now to stand before the living God and say this. I know who I am, and I know that who I am is not the manner in which I am walking. And Father, I want to return to who I am. So what do you know based on the scripture? Not on solely your circumstance or your life or your impending decisions, but what do you know? Who do you know? And that will lead you into the heart of hearing his voice and being able to say, holy God, this is where you are taking us. And I landed at this conclusion. I landed this conclusion long before I ever considered here. I landed this conclusion that this, what I know will allow me to spend the rest of my days and beyond. If God would allow it, I think that it would last for several hundred years. If I would just say, these things that I know, I am going to purpose my life in the middle of these things. I am going to wake up tomorrow and say, in the midst of my security, my confidence in you, your grace, my rescue, immerse in your flavor, that I am here as I am seated in heaven, that I am working out my salvation. I am going to flesh that out and I am going to flesh it with purpose and with passion. I believe that God has given me enough to spend several generations amplifying his name on this earth as he has done for you as a follower of his. Will you express what you know regardless of where you are? And I believe our answer was yes. We'll do that in T-Town. We'll do that in Jacksonville. We'll do that in St. John's County. We'll do that at Cunningham Creek. We'll do that at our school. We're going to walk out for the sake of the glory of God with the reality of the presence of God and our hearts deeply rooted in the hope of God. God speaks. But I think there's an important thing that I would end with today that I would say to you is powerful in our desire for the presence of God. God speaks today and his children hear his voice. But I want to share this with you. 
God has spoken. I should have said that a hundred times throughout the service so it would have had as richness as it should have. God has already spoken biblical and beautiful truths about you. And most of us, if we would root our lives not in solely the happenings of the day in and day out, but if our lives were rooted in who we are and who we know, we have enough to spend the rest of our days fleshing out what he has already spoken over us, in us, through us, so that in him we might live, move, and have our being for the sake of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's enough for today, but enough for us to wrestle with for the rest of our days, for the rest of eternity. I really thank you, Jesus, for our identity and our truth that has been spoken through you. God, I thank you for the power of your scripture that defines us. Father, I pray that you would allow us to face our daily decisions for the hope of your glory. God, I pray right now that there would be a powerful reckoning of the truth of Colossians 3.17. Christ, you live in us. You have told us earlier in in the book of Colossians that we are hidden with Christ in our Father. God, it is our sole, only hope of glory that you reside in us. And so, God, I pray across this room that we cast ourselves there. That we, all we can do is bow down our knees and cry, Holy.